Okay, cue jingle. Cue jingle. There it is. Greg. Hey, how are you? It's Greg and Jonathan. Greg and Jonathan. I'm wonderful. How are you? I am the same. I am full of wonder. I am wonderful. Love that. And uh, having, uh, we are recording, this is one of our first times doing it off week. We are on our weekend. We are. And uh, and we we missed uh, we missed our opportunity to record last week. It was a harried week for both of us uh, for, for various reasons. But listener, we're here for you. We, we wanted to get an episode out uh, and keep up our promise of yes. highly entertaining 30 some odd minutes yes. of your week. <laughs> some odd being the operative word yeah. <laughs> 30-ish. 30-ish, yeah yeah um yeah so so what do you want to talk about today greg well <clears throat> i think we should talk about storytelling but storytelling spe- specifically i want to talk about the mindset of a writer you and mm-hmm. i both are are writers of different kinds mm-hmm. um you're successful. And I'm not. <laughs> I don't know what successful means. I bludgeon people sometimes into reading my writing, um, and I'm shameless about that. Um, <laughs> but I think it'd be fun. I think it. Yeah. We, you know, when we talk about things that when we we have talked about things to talk about, <clears throat> um, this is an exciting topic for me because I get really excited about writing and about storytelling. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So. I, that was a great topic. Yeah, let's talk about that now. So, yeah, I, I was going to ask you first because so so let's let, let's just put all the cards on the table. I enjoy writing. I am an avid reader. Stories mean a great deal to me, and and the story that we create of ourselves is there's a whole thing about that I can go on about. But but for uh, for it's just the volume of writing. Um, I really defer to your your level of experience and accomplishment. Um, in 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 the history that you have with writing across many different uh, styles and and in ways, um, so 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 how what what got you to start writing? I was just curious. It's a it's a good question, and and the it, the first thing I'll say is that the way you describe yourself is also how I describe myself. I love stories. I love I I'm an avid reader and I have been since I was a kid. I love movies and the stories that are in movies and I love writing and that was very true of me for a long time. And I went to um I went to a poetry slam and this is hmm. oh, this is easily 20 years ago. And I don't know if you're familiar with that particular art form or not, but um, it is people who write and perform poetry on microphones. And this is a loose definition of poetry, um, which I think is very appropriate. Um, Mm. A lot of it is narrative, uh, some sort of narrative, and it's usually very personal. So essentially people get on microphones and tell artfully written narrations or artfully written stories about their life or about their experience. And I was captivated. I was captivated at this event in Seattle. For anybody who's lived in Seattle for a long time, this was at the Sit and Spin uh, in Belltown, uh, which was a, a combination bar, performance space, and laundromat. Um, and so the, the Poetry Slam, Seattle Poetry Slam, used to be at the Sit and Spin. So captivated by these stories that these that these poets told, and especially hearing a story from somebody's own their own story from their own mouth. Okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> one of the women who was in the, uh, in the competition that night um, ended up, uh, I, I learned that night, uh, taught 
a writing class. And so mm. I started taking a poetry writing class with her. She, her name is Tara Hardy. She became one of my dearest friends, is still one of my dearest friends. Mm. But, but really what, you know, what, and what Tara did so well as a teacher was to encourage all the people who were in the class to just find your voice and write things and, and use your voice to write it. And somewhere in the middle of there, I remember a conversation with Tara where I said, well, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not a writer. I, I do write things at times, but I'm not a writer. <clears throat> and she challenged that. And she wasn't supportive of me saying that. And so one of, so the most important thing I learned in that class probably was the decision to call myself a writer and, mm -hmm. and to recognize that just because I don't make a living doing it doesn't mean it isn't something that I do. And so what that freed up for me was any limitation I felt about well, I'm not a writer. I just like writing things. So I just experimented more. I mm. I started writing plays at the encouragement of a friend who was in theater who encouraged me to write a play. And I started writing <clears throat> nonfiction um, when I when I was you know faced with uh, some some work I was doing at work, and we were talking about kind of nonfiction topics. And I pursued that, and that was really great. Not so much a story, although that's stylistically that's how I write. Um, and then some other short stories and other sort of fiction outlets as well. But the, and the reason I give you all that history is I think lots of people enjoy writing and enjoy storytelling, but have this big wet wool blanket of social expectations that they adopt yeah. and pull themselves and say, right. I'm not a writer because I'm not being paid for it, or I'm not a writer because I'm not as good as somebody else um, right sure it's just not true so yeah i <clears throat> i what i realized is that the, the almost every first draft i write is shitty mm -hmm. um <laughs> and and i get better by rewriting and i get better by editing and i get better by reading and um is that kind of like the it's kind of like the first pancake rule <clears throat> yes it is like the first pancake rule yeah. That the first pancake is where you're working out the, <laughs> the, the heat of the pan distribution the of heat. <laughs> so yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's so that's that's what it is for me. And I <clears throat> what so what I what that allowed me, it took me some years, by the way. That was not a, a, a light switch that I flipped. It took me some years to decide that I that I get to I get to call myself a writer because I like writing. Yeah. Um and that freed me up to try new things and to write new things. And I continued writing and performing poetry. So after seeing that one poetry slam, I started doing it myself. I did that for a solid 10 years, probably more. Um, mm. And then when I was ready to try something new, I just tried something new. And and yeah, I enjoy the hell out of it. So so let me ask you, so, because you, you mentioned a couple of different mm. styles. And because I, I haven't written plays, because um, I feel like I don't know how. How what how did how did you decide? Yeah, I'm going to write a play. And then, did you have an idea for a play? Did you learn? Did you take a playwriting class and learn the structure of how enter stage left or whatever whatever the top how, however you write would write that? Is that which preceded it? Did you have an idea for the for the for the play at first, or did you did you take a class and were inspired to tell your story in that in that uh, method? No, <laughs> no, the answer I had. I had a, a very good friend, my friend Roy, um, who is still a really good friend, uh, who who kind of kicked me into it. And the story, and it went like this. So um, I had a 
I had an awkward dating experience <clears throat> a number of years ago. Lots yeah. of people have awkward dating experiences. Oh, and sure. I tell about, I used to tell this awkward dating experience as a story. It was a bar story, hanging out with friends, having a couple drinks. And it's like, oh, you are not going to believe what happened to me. And right. I tell the bar story and there's lots of laughter and there's lots of, oh my gosh, you're kidding me. And so after telling the bar story for a year or more yeah. on a number of occasions, Roy heard me tell the story and said, that is really funny. You should write that as a play. And hmm. I said, I have no idea how to do that. And he said, you write poetry. It's the same. And I said, it is absolutely not the same. Poetry and plays are right. it's I not. Imagine. Right. He's like, I don't care. You should just do it. And that was absolutely his approach. He He's also the person that encouraged me to actually uh, get on stage and be in a play. And he used essentially the same the same logic, which was you, you, you should just do it. Just Stop go do it. So I Googled how to write a play. Oh, and I started, uh, it took me a year to write that first play. <clears throat> and I just started by writing interactions. I started by, you know, Jonathan and Greg are sitting at this bar and they have this conversation and, and, and I wrote the dialogue and then, uh, and then I did actually take a playwriting class. Um, but mm. by the time I got to the class, I, I bet I had a third or more of the play written. And I started learning things in the class to make the play better. And I got really good advice. And so um, one of the things I like about theater writing, which is to say playwriting, is it is so very collaborative. So I shamelessly asked for input from my playwriting group about that play um, and from other people about that play. And I took that input and some of it I applied and changed the play and some of it I didn't. And at the yeah. end uh, of that time, um, my very dear friend Roy directed the play and I produced oh. it. And we uh, we got a cast and we produced it in Seattle. It was the first play that I'd ever written. Um, and it's called The Hat. Uh, and The Hat. It, the Hat, yeah. And it was it, it is a really fun story um, that I've actually produced both in person in that that first time. I think that was 2016 we produced it and then produced the play, uh, produced the hat again on Zoom. Um, I rewrote it oh. on Zoom, uh, during the pandemic. Wow, so great. Oh my gosh. It is out there in the world. And and I think that, but the thing that, that became <clears throat> so empowering and the thing I think is so critical is, you know, I had this friend who said, you can write a play like just it's words, just make words, make yeah. words, string them together and use punctuation or not, whatever, but make words, you know how to do that. Yeah. And, and then I, I found a playwriting group where, and they still partly is my play, playwriting group. I'm currently on sabbatical, but um, where, you know, I got support and encouragement for who are these characters and what's important to them and, and why are they doing it this way instead of that way? And all of that becomes um, a really important, part of the experience. And then the final thing that, that the magic that happens in theater, and I've been so lucky in my theater experiences writing for theater mm. is the director and the actor and the writer sort of become this combination of people who influence what shows up on a stage. And I had directors and actors that did things with my work that I never thought was possible. And so yeah. I became a better playwright by watching those people work my plays how they took it and made it natural more natural or made it work yeah. on stage for them mm -hmm. fascinating oh that's great yeah. it became so, a living thing it, yeah they took it, it from did. from you from your oh that's neat that's neat yeah and and then and then i get to think about 
And I and I do, I get to think about the story. And you and I started this with our both of our love of story. And we both love to read and we both love movies. And mm-hmm. and, and it's the story. Yeah. It's the beginning and the end and the middle, right? <clears throat> and those pieces of story. And, and I love story structure in Western culture. The three-act story structure yeah. really resonates with me. It resonates with lots of people. That's why it's popular. Um, but I get to think about the story of those characters. I get to think about the life that I write for them. Um, and I get to write the life that I want for them. And that's, uh, it's just an incredibly rewarding experience to get to do that. I'm a very character driven writer, whatever I'm writing um, to some degree, even the nonfiction, but um, certainly in fiction, it's the arc of the character. It's the journey of the character. That's what I'm really drawn to um, because it it without question, my own journey is reflected there as well. Yeah. Well, you know, that's it, right? I mean, how much, how much of this is you, well, all of it's you when you're writing, but it's but but how much of you is in each character or spread across multiple characters, yeah. you know, and you're bringing in other experiences and people or hallucinating whole new actions and reactions that you've never experienced before. But maybe that works for this for this brand new kind of character yes. in that situation. And it's um and it is it is part in my experience from from writing, it's part this is what I know and part this is what I I hope this is what I yes. imagine. This is what I fear. This is what I love. This is, you know, and you hit, you, you bring in all of these, uh, these possibilities, right? This is what, this is what is, and yes. you write some of that and this is what's possible. And you write some yeah. of that. Maybe that's it. It's a kind of nice mix of, of is and, and could be that, well, uh, that comes together. And Jonathan, that brings me to my question for you. Tell me about the experience of writing the stories you wrote for your son. Yeah. Um, okay. Sure. So, so you know, <laughs> uh, I'll start with this question. Um, have you ever spoken to a three-year-old on the phone? No, um, I have it's, not. <laughs> I'm going to tell you for and, and listener, if you haven't either, you, it's it's not great. Um, so, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of snack eating sounds, and there's uh, there's a lot of uh, you know movement, and you're and heavy breathing because the phone's cradled in the crux, and then and then this like there's some TV in the background. Is that what is that a cartoon? So um, there's a whole bunch of of other things that are taking place that that's not conversation. It's just that this person who cares for you knows that you are tethered somehow to this device. And that means that you're closer to them. Mm-hmm. So that's the value of a phone call with, with, with a very young child. Can't get a lot out of it and can't get a lot into it. So, um, and that was a situation with uh, with Bjorn and I. His, his mother and I had separated and, uh, and he was uh, in Tucson, Arizona. And I was in California uh, working at uh, several startups and, and doing things. And on my, and I wanted, but I wanted to still have an impact, right? So I knew that if I wrote him letters like, dear Bjorn, how are you? Miss you, love you. Here's what's going on for me. That any answers that were to come back would be, you know, really filtered through his mother, which is fine. But it, it would be her answering back, and and maybe not necessarily him. So what I decided to do instead was to write stories that relayed just the kind of lessons and things that it, that a parent, you know, and a father would like for the child and the son to have. Like these are the things that I'd like to impart. That if I were there. I would tell you these, I'd make these stories up in person, right? We would just have these little nighttime things. And so I would take my my lunch breaks and I would write, I started to write um, a little story, a series of, a little a serial, I think you would might call it anyway. So it was, yeah. it was like two pages, three pages, uh, two or three times a week. 
And it was just this ongoing adventures of this character. My son's name is Bjorn. This character was Bjorn the Brave. And it was all these stories of Bjorn the Brave. And I took all of his friends that I knew and they all had named parts and they were this little adventure group and they would run about. And it was very fantasy driven. There's, you know, uh, you know, demons and dragons and things, all the other stuff that little, little kids love. And so and all these adventures, but they were like puzzles they had to figure out and, you know, adventures that they went on. Um, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and that's, and that's it. This, this took place over the course of about four years of writing and imagine two or three pages, two or three times a week, uh, three or four years. That's a lot of paper. So, um, and, and here, here's, here's, here's a, um, a, a newbie mistake that I made. Um, if you're doing this listener, um, take a photocopy. Yes. I wrote everything by hand because that's, how I like to write and it actually comes to me better that way than trying to type things out on a, on a, on a computer. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't keep copies of anything and uh, his uh, and, and many of the pages were lost, unfortunately, in, in, in a move. So uh, the book, the story did complete. It, it came to an end. Uh, and uh, we have about most, we have a probably about a quarter of the beginning and a little bit of the middle. And that's about it. So mm-hmm. um I have I have been for years working with you know, t- promising to Bjorn and and others that I would sit down at some point and try to reimagine what this story yeah. looked like. But I'll be honest, it's it's been really hard. Not that I could I couldn't take the time to set aside to do this. It's been hard to put myself into the mindset because I was writing for a very young person <clears throat> who's no longer at that stage in his life. Right. And right. if I were to write something now that was, you know inspired by by my 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 love for my son it would be a very different set of stories yes and and i would find it difficult to get myself back into writing and and also to look back on this and i've reread some of the stuff i I was writing for a three and four year old it's very different language and it's so it's obviously it's obviously uh you know um it would be a, a very a very different experience i welcome that experience um, but I would like knowing now that the Bjorn is in his twenties and will eventually be in his thirties and forties, and then he will have kids who are uh, three yes. or four years old to have this available to, to have that as something. So anyway, and that's my, and you're a different writer as well than, than the writer that you oh, were yeah. when you wrote those. I mean, you're, you're right. It's your It's hard to sort of have that audience focus and you're a different writer, but I will now publicly in front of our hundreds of thousands of listeners um, or, you know, <laughs> or both of them, both, both listeners, of them. Yeah, both. and you, I will say again that I am going to continue to encourage you to write that story for three-year-olds um, because mm-hmm. uh, what I be- one of the things I believe about storytelling is the very personal becomes universal. And when mm-hmm. the story of Bjorn the Brave and his friends uh, is, is available, it's going to resonate with lots and lots of people who are not your son at three yeah. because you're, you're describing um, experiences that I think are probably universal. So I haven't read them, uh, but I, I suspect given what you've described about how you wrote them, that they would be powerfully universal. And I want you to write them and finish them. I, I, and I will. Uh, thank you. World. Yeah. <laughs> and I will. Um, and, 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 and I like the idea. I like the idea of getting back into it, but I'll, I'll say for having not written, Now, I write all the time. Let's just say, I mean, I I work for a living. I I work in the education and training uh, gig 
you know, at a company. So I'm writing copy and I'm facilitating, I'm doing kind of, you know, here's the story of the learning journey and here's, I do that, but just from a purely creative, I'm going to step out of this and just do something completely creative. It's been a long time. It's yeah. been a long time. And I find mm-hmm. myself, I don't know, maybe I want to say the word apprehensive or, you know, uh, trepidations about getting into, can I get back into that mindset? How, yeah. Do I, and and I think I take uh, the 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 hint from your friend, and it's just do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and that is, and I think that's the right hint to take. And I would say um, also for any any of our listeners, I think that I believe strongly in storytelling, and I believe that everyone has a story to tell, and I believe that we should, you should, tell it. Um, I had the opportunity to work in self publishing at Amazon and learned how easy it was to publish. Mm-hmm. works and make them available to wide audiences. And now I'm I'm just an evangelist for self-publishing because it's so easy. But what I've learned for myself most strongly and most importantly is thinking about writing is not the same as writing. That I and I I fall into the trap myself where I'm I'm I've got a couple of projects right now that I'm working on. And I think about like, oh, I want to do this and I want to do that. I want to go here and yeah. I want to go there. Um, none of that moves the writing forward. And in fact, quite the opposite. I don't discover what I really need to discover in the writing until I'm doing it. And I had yeah. a, a, a um, I was at a workshop a number of years ago. It was actually a poetry slam workshop, but this applies so so appropriately. Um, if I don't have a discovery during the writing process about my characters or about my story, uh, then my reader won't have a discovery either. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not in it. And and letting and letting the story sort of guide me to its right conclusion, um, then my reader isn't going to have that experience either. That maybe is a really juvenile point of view, but it's the one that really works for me. I I, I really appreciate that, and I, I like that because I found that I would get there. There were times, of course, when life was busy, and I wouldn't get the regular cadence of of entries out to be worn in time. And also, I'm just think about it when you're four, three, four, and five, and going to the mail, yes. and there's a letter in there for you. It's excitement, you know. So, um, and he would, and then when there wasn't, you know, the disappointment. So, and, and, and I would get, sometimes it was just once a week, I get it out. I found that, um, that one, that there was a buildup of character uh, backlog in my brain that I'm like, wait, I got to get this out because this is, and, and the other thing, here's what I, here's what really got me. And this, I don't know if this is something that you've experienced. This may be something that everybody, I, I kind of heard this before from other writers is that I didn't know the character until I started, started to write about this character and the character developed a lot of itself on the page yeah. as I was going. I didn't necessarily, um, I didn't necessarily lay out all the aspects of this character and you know, here's all the interweavings and how they communicate. I just started to do it. And the, and the character spoke, it's a, and I, I, I remember writing at this one point and I talked to the page itself. I'm like, where are we going with this? And I kept going. <laughs> and we went and it went in some cool, fun places. And it was it was neat. Anyway, so so that, that was my experience. And I, I just remember it being almost, le- I, I don't know, what do I, I don't even know how to, how to how to relate to it. But like, there's there's just something that, that you tap into that this kind of universal vibe that's out there that just connects you in. And it's like, it's like, hey, there's a bunch of stories. Tap in. Like you connect in, and you're like, 
ding, and but it has to happen with yeah. writing. And again, I'm still a pen to paper guy. And so as I'm writing these things out, because I've tried on the computer and I'll just sit there and stare at the little blinking yeah. cursor like this is dumb. But if I start to physically write, yeah. if I can tear a piece of paper off and you know try to make a basket with it, like they're all of those pieces of the writing experience to me make it more real and that's and, and that's when it starts to flow but I, you know, I just remember that moment when I was like I'm not necessarily completely in control here like there's yeah I don't know I, I don't know if it, like this there's anyway I, I don't know I, maybe maybe you've no say more small. because I, I think you've hit on something really important and I think that when we talk about the mind of a writer um, I think this is a, an important part of it so so say more about that when you say you're not completely in control well, I just think that, that there is, uh, that, that as I, I might have a spark of an idea of a story, and I think, you know, as I'm writing these these characters out, and I'm I'm hallucinating what their adventures are or their interactions are, um, it's there's a part of my of me that's bringing in uh, their structure and their intonation, um, but. Uh, but there's a, but there's just some, there, I, I felt like I was connecting into something that was helping, giving me ideas and energy around building out an idea of, of an, of a human or an individual or an experience that I couldn't, don't believe if I wasn't writing, if I just sat here just trying to imagine it, that it would come to me. <clears throat> I completely agree. And I have a similar experience and I know that there are people who would call that a spiritual connection or call that some sort of metaphysical connection. And that's, that's not how I, not how I experience it. But, but what I do experience is that <clears throat> I've internalized so many stories since the time that I was a little kid, I've internalized stories in ways that I don't, that I can't call up consciously. Mm -hmm. However, when I'm writing a character, when I'm writing a character in a situation and she or he is, you know, is struggling or she or he has a goal that they're trying to, to accomplish. Yeah. All of that long history with the books I've read and the movies I watched and the, and the life stories, the people I've interacted with, all that is in me <clears throat> and it comes out for these characters. I, this is just how I see it. I don't believe I've ever written anything that I did not either witness or experience in some fashion, not directly, but uh, you know, I've got a, a, I got a broad lifetime of experiences, and I think that's what happens. And it at the time that it happens, it feels magical. At the yeah. time that I that I find a character going a direction that I don't think I planned, <clears throat> it feels magical to me. Um, yeah. Like I said, I, I I believe it comes from that long history of of storytelling that you know is just embedded in me but it's the best part um you know i mm. i have and and in fact what i've come to learn about myself i learned about this in in playwriting actually um when i know a play is is coming together is when i care deeply for all the characters mm. like whoever the villain is whoever the protagonist is whoever the side characters are you know any of the characters there once I really care for them, once I love the characters, then the play really starts to feel real to me. Um, yeah. Because until I have have made a full enough person, um, it doesn't resonate. But I think that's, and I think that's what comes from the writing process. And I'm like you, I, I had to be a, a longhand uh, guy. I was a longhand guy. Everything started with longhand. Um, I couldn't type, same thing. I would stare at the screen. Um, I've gotten now to where for poetry, 
I always start longhand. Um, my first draft is always longhand because the the speed of my mind and my hand are really well matched for that. But when I'm writing dialogue or writing, certainly nonfiction, when I'm writing other things, um, I've been able to transition entirely to the computer. But for mm. poetry, it still has to start longhand. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Well, so, that. okay. So that's so, so that's not uncommon then. Okay. So you're no. Yeah. I don't think it's common at all. I think I think it's I think it's very common. I think that there's something for me. I consider writing and editing completely different skill sets, and I and the reason I do that is I I work very hard to turn off my internal editor when I'm working on a first draft or when I'm trying to be generative. So I think of generative and reactive, right? So if I said to you, you know, write about what happened to you yesterday, I consider that reactive because you're working from a set of information and you're and you're writing in response to it. Um, if you're if you're starting something brand new, if you're gonna you know you're gonna pick up this story, the Bjorn the Brave stories in the middle, yeah. and start to sort of re envision the ending. That to me feels generative. So you're you're pulling something out of thin air, which for me is a lot more work. Um, and for me, it's also impossible if I allow my internal editor to participate. So uh. you get to the end of a sentence, and the internal editor is like, okay, that could never happen that way. You know, you're right. like, it would never work in the way that you're describing it. And I end up shutting myself down very, very quickly. So one of the most important things I had to learn to do was turn off the internal editor hmm. and sort of say, like, you're going to get your minute. Like, you're going to, I'm going to need you in a little while. But right now I'm going to use this other piece of me and work on being generative um, for that content, for, for that story. That whatever. Interesting. So, so that's interesting you say that because because in the in that creative process it is a flow and the editor would absolutely put some some roadblocks yep. right yeah. there are yeah. some some obstacles um, and what you I, I think what I what I experienced was is that and I, and I would the only obstacle I had was my time limit and because I was doing this on my lunch break and I still had to eat something really quick so so I'd eat like a sandwich in one hand pencil and paper and I, I and then I'm like oh I'm on the clock it's the clock the clock is almost done so I I'd, I'd, I'd rush back and, and that was it so but there was no and and I, I noticed this when we when when um I took the papers that we had available to us and transcribed it into uh, uh just up into a document uh, on the computer that there were many punctuation uh, mishaps and spelling yep. issues and things that I just didn't. And, and then I, and I reread some of the sentence structures. I'm like, read aloud. That's fine. Yep. Not read aloud. That's, that doesn't work. So, and, and I, I, I think that I, when I wrote, I knew he, he couldn't read yet and it, or he, he was very young. So he would be read to him. And I, and I, yep. and I would write as I would write, I would read it aloud in my head, if that makes sense. And so I would, yeah. I actually, it wasn't just just writing down. I would I would write as though the dialogue or the narrator was reading it as I went, and that, yeah, that that's how I because I I wanted this to be a, a, a story that was read aloud, right? It's supposed to be for me. It was it was a vocal, an oral story. I just, yeah. I, was just I was just sending it in written form. So, so many things come to mind um, from that. One is, it, it's really interesting to me. I also have a hard time going back and we could talk another time about, about a writing project I had for a number of years. I was a relationship advice columnist online and I and people would write to me and ask me relationship advice questions and I would answer them. Yeah. A whole nother story. Um, and I went back and, and had an idea of collecting those stories um, and self-publishing them. Um, mm. But it was, you know, I was 
doing this 10 years after I originally wrote them and I'm a better writer than I was. And when I read yeah. what I wrote, I'm, I cringe. I'm like, oh, this is all, uh, it's filled with errors. I don't like the point of view. Some of it doesn't stand up to the, the sort of social times that we're in. Um, and so I, I just have no passion to write at all. That was the first thing that came to mind is I totally get the point about how hard it is to come back to something. The second thing, I tend to see and get excited about stories out in the world and the story of a dad who's distant from his kid, who's on his lunch break with a with a sandwich in one hand and a pencil in the other, who is writing this story that is meant to be told. That is a cool story. Oh, can you just, <laughs> can you just see that movie where, uh, yeah. uh, you know, Brad Pitt's playing Jonathan because that's obvious. Oh, and obviously, so yeah. he's outside at the table and he's got a sandwich in one hand and he's and he's writing this story for his kid and then and then the movie of it fades to Bjorn the Brave on the back of a dragon, you know, flying yeah. to save his friends. Uh, and you know, and 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 we we hear a narrator um, describing it in you know both terms that are really relevant for a three-year-old, but also really poignant terms. I'm sorry. Yeah. That, that, I love it. Now yeah. you have a new writing project. Oh, and James Earl that. Jones, obviously. Thank you. Yeah, for that's obviously James Earl Jones yeah, is yeah. the narrator. <laughs> um, that's a writer's mind. Uh, I always believe and, and get excited about those kinds of stories and, and the character-driven stories. Um, I think so many people could identify with both the the dad dad who was not present but nonetheless was just so eager for a connection with his kid and the kid who was so excited to get mail and 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 what that story told holy mackerel that'd be so oh. cool that's i never thought of it that way that's, no pressure but please oh my write gosh another story. please write another story <laughs> okay i'll write i'll finish beyond the brave now you write about me writing beyond the brave i think i would do it. that i would totally do that oh my gosh that'd be, amazing. be a play too that'd be a great play Okay, well, right. I think we have our next we are, project. <laughs> we have our next project, and we are uh, at about 30 minutes. And are we about 30 minutes? Okay. We are, believe we... it or not, we're a little bit over. And uh, to the 100,000 listeners who I know are taking a huge part of their day across the entire planet um, uh, mm. to listen to Jonathan and I, or to, you know, like uh, both of you who are listening, yeah. um, we want to be respectful of your time and make sure that you can get on to the other things in your life. Besides Absolutely. Um, but yeah. we're going to have to come back to this. I sense we're going to need to come back to this. Okay. Um, this is, okay. Part one. This is our part one. This is part one. Yes. The mind of a writer. Yeah. Jonathan, as always, what a pleasure to hang out with you. Greg, fantastic. All right, sir. Thank you. And uh, everyone, take care. Thanks for listening. Take care. Bye, everyone. You've been listening to Tasty Gents, a geeky Palm Springs to Seattle podcast. Okay. Cue jingle. Q jingle. There it is.